for agility's sake. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Kyle Spitzley, your host, and with me today is Llewellyn Falco. Hello, everyone. Hey, how are you doing today, Llewellyn? Oh, it's a good day in Michigan. We had a little bit of snow yesterday, but it didn't stick. Yeah, it's going to be a lot tomorrow, too, Mm. and today. So you are here to help the teams improve how they operate. What I would categorize this in is kind of in a DevOps space, but that's my limited knowledge. Yeah, so, I mean... Definitely DevOps is part of the space, uh, but in general, I'd put the space in more of just like the craftsmanship space, right? So um, there's a lot of agile coaches and a lot of them sort of sit in in meetings and and talk about things and maybe do some workshops. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Um, That's not at all what I do. I, every day I'm sitting with the programmers in front of the code and we are programming together uh, using a particular style of programming called mob programming. Okay. So what's mob programming? So if if you're familiar with pair programming, this is going to just yeah. sort of, like, you know, you might be familiar with pair programming and also be a little bit like, oh, that pair sounds crazy. Pair programming is basically two people. Two people, one computer. Together. All right. Yeah. Uh, my programming is just, you know, five to ten people at one computer. Hmm. And How does that work? There's only one keyboard. <laughs> There's only one keyboard, yeah. And, and um, one way that it is often misinterpreted and and it goes really badly is the person at the keyboard is typing and thinking and, and the other, you know, nine people are watching them type and think. And and that um, that is not a good way for it to go. So our rule is no thinking at the keyboard. Okay. So if you're at the keyboard, that's actually like the safest space. You're just a typist. And so who, who's thinking? So then we have a, a designated person in the beginning called the navigator, and they're thinking. And they're telling the person typing what to do. And then uh, usually about every three minutes, I'm rotating everybody. So it's a very like short musical chairs. Yeah, almost. exactly like musical chairs. <laughs> okay. Right. And in fact, like one of the things is you get a lot of standing up and moving, which is also helpful to like not fall asleep and yeah. stay engaged. And all right. So which teams are you working with? You're only here for two weeks. I'm right? only here for two weeks. Okay. Um, so I can work with three teams every two weeks and okay. I work with the same three teams every single day for two hours. And so here I'm working with the Magic team, I'm working with the ID team, and I'm working with the Builder Tools team. The Magic team is in charge of the – it's the system that calculates how much everyone gets paid every month. Do right? you know what the uh, acronym stands for? Oh, actually, I don't. Managing Awards, Growth Incentives, and Compensation. Nice. Yeah, like it's a legitimate <laughs> acronym that's been yeah. around for like 10 years. It's pretty well, awesome. I mean, this is a crazy part of the system, right? Like this is, is – arguably one of the most important parts of what Amway is doing I think is, it is yeah. making sure that everyone gets paid every month. And, and be, it, my experience is the most important parts are the oldest parts because they were they the ones stayed, you had to do first. Yeah, they've stayed around. And, and they are also sometimes some of the hardest ones to work with. This particular one is, is around 2.4 million lines of code. That's a lot of code. It's a lot of code. I heard the other day that Google, the search algorithm... Google has like what, two billion. Or yeah, is it, that's a lot, a, a lot of code. Lot of things, but, but that's that's a uh, it's different. So in Magic's case, the the code that we have that that two point four million lines of code. How many people do we have in our tech space that understand that? Does anybody understand? Oh, you have no one. Code? No, nobody understands. I mean, so a lot of times as a visualization exercise, I use uh, the last Harry Potter book. Last, and if you visualize that, just the size of it. Yeah, it's a big book. It's a pretty big book. Yeah. That's 20,000 lines of code printed out. Oh, my gosh. So if you had 10 of those stacked up, that would be 200,000 lines of code. 
And so if you had a hundred of those stacked up, <laughs> oh that would be two gosh. million lines of code. So nobody's memorized. And then add <laughs> another 20 books and we get to the magic code base. Wow. So for me, the, the comparison is like the Holy Bible is a big book that people have. Yeah, that's actually time. about like sort of. Yeah, yeah, people have a hard time trying to grasp like everything that's in there. Yeah. But there are people like spend their whole life studying and reading that. Book. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not actually that big. It's like 66 books in one. But that is a small thing next to that 2.4 million. Lines well, so code. now you just need uh, 120 Bibles. Yeah. And, and then you have to ask yourself, someone working here you need to know. All did that. they understand all that? No. And they, of course, the answer is no. Um, yeah, you're right. Even. Even 20,000 lines, I'm about anyone knows. Okay, so how are you helping the teams with that? That what seems like a mess to me. Yeah. So, and well, I, don't, I don't mean mess in a disrespectful way for the audience. What I mean is it's, it's a lot of code. Well, so one, a friend, Woody Zool, has a saying, and it is one of the things that we, we practice when we do mob programming, right, is kindness, consideration, and respect. And he's like, we need to honor the people who came before us Right, like they might not have written the best code. Mm -hmm. They did not write the best code, but they did the best that they could with the knowledge and the constraints that they had at the time. Okay. Right, nobody wrote a mess on purpose. Mm -hmm. They wrote code that worked. They wrote code that is making sure everyone gets paid. This is important code, right? And so we need to honor that yeah. even while we are trying to improve it, right? That's a really good point. Yeah. And, and then the next thing is we are not going to be able to improve that by understanding it and then deciding how to make it better, right? As you said, like no one understands it. Yeah, like, so this it's is, not like we can just redesign the whole thing? Yeah, you can't do that. Okay. And, and very often people want to do that, but it, it doesn't work. Yeah, I've heard rumblings of like, let's replatform oh, yeah. this thing and rebuild it. So, yeah, that I don't know strategy work. doesn't work. Okay. And so instead, what I've been teaching the team is how to go about improving this safely without understanding it, right? That seems like an oxymoron type of thing to me, but it does. How my brain works, but I don't understand it. How do I? It's very, fix very it? possible, okay. right? Um, and the reason is because you can detect things that are not good, even without understanding. Like, have you ever just, have you ever just been walking down and you see someone, and for whatever reason, you're like, I need to. I need to not be here right now. Yes. <laughs> right. Like yes. you don't need to understand how to fix that. You don't need to understand everything that's going on in that person's mind. You just need to like detect, Oh, this is not a, a good a place to be situation. Yeah. yeah. And so we have been doing that except for in this particular case, instead of saying, I don't want to be here right now. Instead we say, Oh, that person needs help. Mm -hmm. Let's go be supportive. And again, you don't need to know. You don't need to know everything about that person to help. Mm -hmm. And so, Good. So, for example, and, and then the next thing is we have to do it safely. More than I think any other part of, of the system here, this particular system of magic, like we can't break stuff there. Like yeah. we break stuff, people don't get paid, people are depending on that. Mm -hmm. And so we have to go safely. And safely means slowly and respect but it's not just slowly there are there are other things that are, are going to seem like just crazy overkill until you realize like how important it is that we don't break something and interestingly i mean one of the reasons that a lot of times code gets messy is if you clean up code you're not adding features to it you're not you're not making the code be from the user's perspective 
they can't tell that you did anything. Mm-hmm. And so you will never, you'll never get anything good from the user's perspective out of it. So even not even a performance improvement. Not ideally, not a performance. Okay. I, I, that sounds weird to say. Ideally, not a performance improvement, but a performance improvement might actually change behavior in a way that, if it is not expected, might not be good. Mm, okay. Right. Um. So, so ideally, like you want things to be there. now in the magic code base. I doubt performance improving would ever be a bad thing. Uh, but like, for example, in hardware, if a lot of times timing actually really matters. And so if you're going like, and then all of a sudden you're like, like, that's not good. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's not what we want. <laughs> Why are the lights blinking so crazy? Okay. Oh, wait, <laughs> like, we just did a year of turning them off and on. Um, so, so you need to be really careful about like how your behavior changes and, and you want to preserve that. And if you, if you refactor stuff and you break it, now the users are aware of it. So we are in a situation where we're doing something that can only have a negative outcome from the user's perspective. Right. And, and as a general rule, if, you, if there's only negative outcomes of doing anything, the rule is don't do it. Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, there is a really important thing that is needed, which is we need to be able to maintain this code. We need to be able to add to this code without making bugs. We need to be able to fix bugs without introducing new bugs. We need to be able to respond, right? And that's not something that the users necessarily see, yeah. but it is something that's... to do all of that without breaking anything. Yeah. And so this is one of those things, when we do it wrong, people see, but when we do it right, nobody notices. That sounds like a thankless job. It, I mean, from it, the it is. No, no, it, yeah. it, it's a completely thankless job, which is why it is so often neglected. Yeah. And so... So we have been working on very safe ways to do it. And just to like give a, an example of this, the very first thing we do is the easiest thing. I have a huge belief in zero to one. And you, you start with the absolutely easiest things because even those are hard in the beginning. And then once we get those down, the things underneath them become less hard. And now they're the easiest thing. And we do that. And then the things you get the next easiest and the next easiest. Yeah, and like eventually you're doing effect. things that are pretty yeah hard. Yeah. And so the first thing we're doing is we're deleting the useless comments. Now, the first class we looked at was about 4,000 lines, and there was about 600 useless comments Wow! Right? out of around 604 comments, meaning there were four useful comments. Of 600? Out of 600, yeah. And, and, and you can imagine how hard it would be. Like, that's like a needle in a haystack to find those useful pieces of information. Whereas now that we've, we've removed the 600, now there are four comments, and they're all useful. Yeah. Right? There's actually not even four comments anymore. Because some of them were things like, in one place we saw this zero three just kept showing up. What's that zero three? What's that zero three? And then we saw a comment, and it's like, this is the twenty day average. And I'm like, oh, that's that's really helpful. That's a good comment. Yep. But then later on, we ended up putting that zero three in a variable that was called twenty day average. And so now the comment's less useful because it's like 20-day average for the variable, 20-day average. Okay, that's not helping us. <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> you explain this. So, so those insights in the comments, we want to move to insights in the code. And sometimes we can do those right away. Sometimes we don't know how to do them. Like sometimes those comments stay for a long time. Mm. But what we want is any comment that exists to be useful to us. And we want to be able to see it. And you can't see it if it's surrounded by noise. Yeah. So, so how do we delete the, I mean, it seems, 
seems like deleting a comment is one of the safest things you could do. Yeah. Right? Not safe enough for me. Like for me, I really care that absolutely nothing ever is going to break in this code base. And so what we do is this is in Java. And when Java compiles, it creates something called a class file. It's sort of like if you if you go to Microsoft Word, write something, and then export it to PDF. Okay. Right? But you can do things in the, the file called comments, and when you export it to the class file and you compile it, it doesn't take the comments. Those get left behind. And so what we do is we, we create the class file, and we look at it, and then we delete the comment, and we recreate the class file, and then we check that they are identical. Right. And if they're the same, then we know we haven't broken anything. Okay. Right. If you're a programmer listening to this, we actually do this based on just the file size of the bytes. There's a timestamp in there, so you can't actually do an identical identical, but everything except for the timestamp should be the same. Anyhow. So I don't get how, when you were, like, how does comparing those actually show you that? Well, because... They show it, you that it's not broken. I mean, no, no, no not just that it's not broken, that it has not changed. Okay. We, we delete a comment. We believe that is something that will not affect the behavior of the code, and we show that what is going to production is unchanged. Okay, so this is my limited knowledge of code. Yeah. I've only got very little uh, coding experience, but I, I thought that comments didn't affect the code. Exactly. And therefore, by looking at the code before and after deleting the comment, if they're identical, we know we haven't affected the code. Even accidentally affected. We haven't, yeah, because maybe accidentally you deleted not a comment. Right. Right? Okay. I mean, that happens. Okay. You don't mean to, yep. but you're a little bit happy on that delete key. Yeah, and, and after, after 500 of those yeah. comments, like, this is getting, this is getting fun. I like yeah, exactly. And so after each one, we are checking that. And we are making sure that absolutely nothing has changed. That is the level of safety that we're looking for, right? And we're doing that without tests, which is how most people achieve safety. So we're not using a test. We're using the compiler to tell us. After that, we started moving into some more interesting safetyness, like extracting methods or renaming method. And, and again, none of this is being done with manual typing. It's being done with the keyboard shortcuts in the IDE that is doing very sophisticated structural static analysis of the code to make sure that before and after these two things are are the same and each one of those after like so if we just rename a variable we will use the automated shortcut to do that it'll pop up a dialogue you'll put in the new name you'll hit, hit it it will go through and modify the code for you so you're not actually modifying the code and say yes i did this correctly because it's a machine and then we are committing okay so we lots of very small commits really small steps, really safe steps. Just to like pull this a little bit farther, eventually we got to this method that we wanted to take a look at and it was it was about 70 lines of code and it dealt with dates, some date calculations and I was like we can test this. So we started writing a unit test just on this one. Now there's 200 2.4 million lines of code and basically no tests against this entire base. Yeah. Um, we took this one 70 line block and got it a hundred percent coverage, right? And not just every line is executed, but mutation safe. So if you change any line, it would break the test, change the behavior, the test would break. So that gives us 70 lines where we can play a lot more like faster, okay. right? The, the, as long as we stay within those 70 lines, 
And so we ended up pulling out two methods, one that calculates sort of like what the last day of the month is and one that calculates what the last weekday of the month is. Okay. And and that weekday of the month part was like uh, 30 lines of code or so. And we kept cleaning and cleaning until we got it down to six lines of code. And went from like a fairly complicated for loop. 70 to six? Yeah, a, wow. a fairly complicated for loop, which just basically said, if the last day of the month is Saturday, go to Friday. If it's <laughs> Sunday, go to Friday. And if it's any day of the week, it's that day. And, and so very easy to read, very easy to understand. The other part we took from 40 lines of code to one, right? And it's a little bit tricky, right? Because what we actually do is we go to the next month and then go back a day. Okay. Right? So there's a negative one in there, which is a little bit weird to see. Like, you know, negative numbers sometimes are not as intuitive as the positive numbers. Um, but but it's now wrapped in a method that just is, is really clear anyways. And so we, we started with 70 lines of code. We now have six lines of code it's fully tested it's easier to to understand it technically runs faster but not actually runs faster because we are talking about you know nanoseconds of, of time yeah. nothing that is actually meaningful to people so thinking about the um, <coughs> the the change that you're making here i love the idea of that kind of safety net where you've i don't know you call it mutation proof basically yeah. building that test to make sure that if we screw this up we're going to know right away we're gonna, that we broke something or that it's not working the way we expected it to absolutely like I mean, I think all of Agile is making your mistakes cheap. We are making it so that if we make a mistake, it occurs before we commit the code, and we are committing the code about every three to four minutes. Okay. So what? what so I'm, our mistakes are never lasting more than three or four minutes. Okay. And they are, are we, no way touching a user. So are we? are not in a production environment when we're messing this. These up, will or? go to production, but. All this work we're doing is yeah. in that kind of dev but it's, QA space. Obviously, we, we do this in the dev space. Yeah. Okay. First. yeah. And so, and then this is the process where we start getting code that we can have faith in, confidence in, so that we can start releasing it more quickly. Well, I love what, you, what you're saying here, this, this confidence piece. As you describe this whole situation, I think about the team that's been yeah. working on Magic for a long time. They get to a point where it's kind of scary to go in there and change code. If oh, you, yeah. If you're looking at this 600 lines of comments, like, well, that's just a lot of comments. Add that to the code. It gets really confusing, a little bit scary. So for me, I think about teaching them some of these methods helps build confidence in their craft, in what they're trying to do, and it, you know, in themselves so almost. Definitely confidence in, in their craft, confidence in what they want to do. But I think even more importantly than that is the safety in the team. Mm. And, ju and just to give like one last story around there, we've, like I said, we've been working as a mob. So every day we sit together for two hours and we work as a team. It turns out an excellent team building exercise isn't doing trust falls, yeah. isn't like going bowling. Yeah. It's working as a team. Mm. And so one of the things that I discovered earlier this week is they have shifted the way they do code reviews. So the way you used to do a code review, you would write some code. I would then, uh, on your own, Mm -hmm. You'd submit a pull request, and I would read that code on my own. And basically, I would like, I don't like this, or I don't like this. Maybe maybe I like it enough that I accept it. But a lot of times, you know, I'm nitpicky, and, ah, you don't like, change this, change this. And then I send it back to you. Yep. And then you're like, okay, well, I need to change that. It's that You're right. But this one, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a jerk is exactly the right thing. This thing works. Why are you so picky about it? They've shifted the way they do their code reviews. Mm -hmm. 
Instead, now they're still working independently a lot. But when they do the code reviews, they all gather around and they mob the code review. So as a team, they look at what's going on with the person who, who submitted it, where they can actually ask the person directly, why did you do that? And they might be, well, we did that because we really need this. Or have you considered that? You know, I just thought about this for three hours. You're yeah. reading like one line of code. Right. Like maybe I have an insight you don't have yet. Oh, or maybe they have like a thing that I missed. Like, yeah. oh, did you realize you could do this? Or do you realize this is somewhere already? I imagine that speeds things up. It speeds things up. It gives better quality to the thing. It makes sure the entire team actually understands the changes. And it lets them be a team. Now it's their code as opposed to your code. Because your code sucks. But our <laughs> code, our code is great. Yeah. It's always better when it's our. Yeah, so much. And we talk about this in the DevOps. I mean, the whole word of DevOps, right, was taking the devs and the ops and getting them together. Mm. Right? That whole idea of making your team be a cross-functional, complete, autonomous team, like that's so important to this space of agility. And... You know, a big part of that is working as a team. Okay. So I know we have limited time here. So what I want to ask is if you were to kind of give a, a blanket summary of your experience with the Magic team and just how things um, have played out and what yeah. you've seen improve, how would you summarize that to somebody? So I guess the two ways, like the, the API team has been doing some uh, microservices as well. And the things that they're doing there, they're now learning how to go to the monolith and do and the team itself is functioning as just a very high-performant, emotionally intelligent team. Uh, it's more than I was expecting for the two weeks. Wow. I'll, I'll be back. You know, so my, my MO is I come for two weeks, let the team normalize for four to eight weeks, come back, do another two weeks, let them normalize. Like That's how, okay. that's how I coach. And so uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with where they are, especially after, after two weeks. Um, I think I got really lucky in this particular team that there was a lot sort of already lined up and ready to come together. Mm. Um, we have some very emotionally intelligent people on that team, which is a gift, especially in programming worlds. Yeah. Um, and then we also had a lot of people who had already like been working on the craftsmanship side of stuff and just hadn't been able to figure out how to unlock that in the monolith. Right, build some of that safety in. Yeah. That, that sounds like a key piece. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me this morning. I know you got to get back back to work. Yeah. So uh, I hope things continue to go well. Looking forward to having you back in a couple of months. Thanks. Been great. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and share it with others. To learn more about Amway's Agile journey, follow the hashtag AmwayAgile on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And if you're an employee, do that and search Amway Agile forward slash in your browser.